0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh 2 Samuel. 2nd Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. And uh, I'm really excited about this word today. And um, man, the Lord is doing something. Can you just feel it in the atmosphere? He's moving, he's doing. And some part of that moving and doing happens to do when we get in a battle. Is anybody going through a battle today? Wow, look at that. So I want to share with you this morning, and I just kind of want to jump right into it, because it's really burning in my heart today. I want to share about two battles that everyone in this room is going to face at one point in life when you're walking with the Lord. There are two battles that we're going to face no matter what we're going through at some point in our Christian walk. And that first battle is the battle of impossibilities. Because you're going to encounter a lot of impossible situations in your life. And that second battle is going to be the battle of sustainability. It's gonna, it's gonna be how to, how to sustain the first one. So I just, uh, I just wanna encourage you, and I feel like today's message is really to train and equip and prepare you on how to take down the Goliaths in your life. But not just take them down, how to hold the ground so he doesn't come back, amen? Jesus, we just come to you right now, and we gather before you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place, we thank you for moving through worship. We thank you that you're moving in our lives and we just, we just honor you, Jesus. We love you, Father. And Lord, I just ask for the next few moments you would take control. I acknowledge you, Lord. We acknowledge you. You have the ability to speak, to comfort, and to encourage each and every one of us where we're at in our life right now. Lord, I pray for wisdom and revelation to flow like living waters in this place today. And so, Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I love to pray and because when you start getting in the flow, you feel like you can just go forever. But uh, praying's a good thing. I wanna to talk to you about the battle that we all go through, the battle of impossibility. In the Bible, there's an amazing story in 2 Samuel 5:17. it's about King David. King David, in the context, had just been basically anointed king, but appointed as king. Remember, all the tribes of Israel rallied against him, Saul had died, and they made him now king, not, not just over Judah regional, but the entire nation. And the Bible says that when the Philistines heard that David had become king, they met their forces to go up and try to attack him. How many know that the enemy or maybe the enemy, maybe even people in general in our life are not always happy when you get blessed? How many know that not everybody's for you when you get promoted? You know, David had an anointing on his life long before this, right? The prophet Samuel came and imparted a dripped oil all over him years before this. But this wasn't about the anointing of him as king. It was about the appointing of him as king. And so many of us, the Lord looses an anointing on our life, but it takes a time for the appointment to catch up with the anointing. But when you come into that place, when those begin to line up, Oftentimes, the enemy flexes his muscles and he comes to strike at you. Amen? That's what's happening in here. So I want to read. It says When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and they spread out. I want to get that visual. They spread out in the valley of Raphim. David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up and attack these Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? I want to just give us a little historical context about this word in this location, the valley of Raphim. The valley of Raphim literally means the valley of giants. Now, why would it mean the valley of giants? Because it is believed this is where the Nephilim occupied land in Israel. Now, in Genesis chapter 6, you can go there and take more time, but not today. But in Genesis chapter 6, 1 through verse 4, the Bible says that the Nephilim were on the earth right around the days of the flood. And just kind of what a general thought of the Nephilim were... Was that these were, these were where the fallen angels came down with Satan in the rebellion? That they saw the daughters of men, they lusted after the daughters of men, and they had relationships with them. When they did, it spawned a giant race, literally physical giants. They were called the Nephilim. Now, what's really interesting, if you can, I want you to show you something. Go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. And I just kind of want to build us up to this, what's, what's happening, what's going on. In Numbers chapter 13, this valley of Raphim comes back into play, but it comes in the day of Moses. You remember when Moses was in the desert and they were getting ready to take the land, what did he do? He sent out spies into the land. The spies went into the land, and we know, right, they had kind of a negative report. Joshua and Caleb had a good report. But most of them didn't. I want to pick up right there in verse 31 of Numbers 13. It says, when the men, these are the spies, who had gone up with him, said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread, what a word, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land that we explored devours the living in it. Here it is, verse 33. And we saw the Nephilim, three, excuse me, there, the descendants of Anak who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked as grasshoppers to them. Hold that one more thought. Go with me to Joshua chapter 13. That was in Moses' day. Now go to Joshua 13, and you start to see a pattern here of what's happening. In Joshua 13, they actually take the land. They go in, right? When they go into the land, remember, some land wasn't to be taken, right? They they didn't take all the land. In Joshua 13, verse 1, it says, When Joshua was well old and advanced in years, the Lord said to him, You are old, yet there are still large areas of land yet to be taken. That is the land that remains in the region of the Philistines, in those regions is the Valley of Rephaim. What is the point? What are you saying? Listen, the Valley of Rephaim was the land of the giants. Goliath was a descendant of Enoch. He was a descendant of that Nephilim race, and they always had occupy of the land. This is that peace that the Israelites could never drive out. They always, had some, they always had a step in this valley. They could never push them out. They could, they could never control them out. And so it created fear among the Israelites. Remember, in Moses' day, what did they do? They spread a bad report. We can't beat them. They're too big. And because they spread a bad report in the community, it caused a rebellion. When we operate out of fear and out of intimidation, It can often lead to rebellions in communities. It opens the door for the enemy. And you know what ends up happening in Numbers? God sends a plague and takes away the people who grumble. And listen to what happens. Another group of people arises and they say, well, we'll take it back because the Lord promised us this land. And Moses says, I'm just paraphrasing the story. Moses says, don't go up. The Lord won't be with you. And guess what happens? That group of people, they go anyway. And the Bible says that the enemy beat them all the way out of the land. What's the point? Your prophetic word or the promise the Lord has given you is not enough for you to tap into the full potential God has for you. It's not enough just to have a promise from the Lord. It's not enough to have a routine quiet time. It's not enough just to have a journal entry from the Lord sometimes there's more to that that you have to go through you have to press through in order to step in the fullness of what God has the valley of rapheem to David in his day represented the place of defeat it represented that place the enemy always had ground in it represented that place that 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 they could never control not even his forefathers they could never get them out So what's that mean to you and I? The Valley of Rephaim to you and I represents that place in our hearts that we still resist the grace of God. It represents that place where the enemy always still holds a little bit of ground. It may be a large chunk of land or it may be just a smidget, just an inch, don't matter. As long as he's got one toe in there, he has hold on the ground. When the enemy has hold on the ground, he has charge in the atmosphere. That's why it's so important to take the ground back from the enemy so that the atmosphere can be cleared. And so I feel God is, we're in a season right now where the, me personally, where the Lord is saying, Michael, why don't you ask me where the valley of Rephaim is in your heart? What areas or what ground in our lives has yet to be taken by the Lord and still by the enemy? See, that valley represents impossibilities. It represents the battle. It was impossible to the Israelites to defeat these giants. But how many know there's good news? How many know what happens in this story? There's a man named David. Now, David is a type of Jesus. He's a type of Christ. And how many know that David wasn't afraid? Let's see what happens. David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up and attack those Philistines? I wanna talk about inquiring of the Lord for a moment. Matter of fact, if you have that word, I want you to highlight it in your Bible. Circle that word, inquire the Lord. The inquire of the Lord is the Hebrew word bekar, Bekar literally means to seek, but not just seek, to break forth. I want to invite Brian, if he could come up for a minute. I want to give a little illustration of what I'm talking about. You see, David didn't just... You can sit right there, brother. Or, yeah, you can sit on the end. I'm sorry. He's so good. David didn't just seek the Lord. He had a breakthrough in his prayer closet. There's a difference between seeking the Lord and getting a breakthrough in the prayer closet. To inquire the Lord is not just, I'm gonna go spend time with him on a routine basis, which is good, and we need to be doing that on a daily basis, I believe it. But inquiring the Lord is different. It is going to the Lord and placing him into a position into your life to speak exactly what needs to be spoken so that you can get not only the answer, but the strategy of how to deliver that answer. God has a particular way about him. Some of us are so fixed on just getting the revelation, but it's not about just getting the revelation. It's not about just getting the bread from heaven. That bread has to be buttered. That bread has to be cut. That bread has to be delivered a certain type of way. And that's what David was doing. He said, yes, I'm gonna go. And what happens at the table is when we seek the Lord sometimes, there's a few seats, Just notice what he did. He didn't go to the elder board, did he? He didn't go to his best friends, did he? He didn't go to the high priest. He didn't go to the staff. He didn't go to all these other voices. He got on the face before the Lord God and said, you need to speak to me. There's giants in the land, and we need a strategy out of this thing. When you do that, see, the Lord, when we don't do that, we place the Lord at this part of the table. And the head seat's still open. Because come on, man, if it's really true, if we're really honest, sometimes we already know what he's going to say, but we're afraid to do it because he knows what he's going talk to talk, tell us to do. But when we inquire of the Lord, we put him at the head of the table, and we sit down at his feet, and we put him in a position to provide input to us that can give us the, not only the, the answer, but how to deliver the answer for victory. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Some of you cannot beat the giant in your life because you've yet to have a breakthrough in your prayer closet. That's a lot of the times when we're facing a giant, and whatever that is for you, I mean, it may be your marriage right now. You may be facing a giant in your relationship with your spouse, it may be with your children. You may have been battling addiction with them over and over or some issues, right, that just drives families apart. It may be a deeper internal issue. It may be you're not happy with yourself. You're not happy with the way your life has become. You're not happy with when you look in the mirror. You live with regret. You live with the amount of shame. You live with the amount of fear. It doesn't matter what it is. Those are Goliaths in our paths. And sometimes that word is just not enough. Or, you know, we, that's what we got to do. We got to inquire of the Lord. And we got to go out and see that giant fall. Come on. Now, how did, how did this play out for David? Let me tell you. The Lord said one word. Look at the strategy. Go. Somebody say go. go. Come on. Go. Now, you would think that's not strategic. It's just going. It is very strategic. Because the Lord, in this word saying go, you know what he was saying, David? He's saying, David, the enemy has came in the valley of Raphim. Hebrew scholars believe it was a 10,000 garrison army of the Philistines. And he said, I don't want you to go to the left, and I don't want you to go to the right. I don't want you to flank them. I don't want you to come behind them. But I want you to go right up in the front of them, and I want you to hit them dead on. That's what go means. See, sometimes we need to confront things. Sometimes we need to confront that person in our life. Oh, that's tough, isn't it, sometimes for some of us. I know it is. Has been for me in the past. But I've learned that it has to, it's part of the walk. It's part of the natural way of walking out. And oftentimes, a lot of times, a breakthrough can't come because somebody's not confronting the issue head on. But let me tell you what the word is the Lord gave me. It is a direct confrontation that will lead to a divine intervention. Conflict releases the anointing, and truth will bring the victory. There is an anointing that flows out of conflict. What is the purpose of confrontation? You know what it is? It's to bring the truth from without to within. It's to bring it from the hidden places to the public places. That's the whole point of confrontation and having these things. The truth needs to come out. You know what happened? The truth gets suppressed. When the truth is getting suppressed, the enemy has control of the ground. If he has control of the ground, the atmosphere is charged, but it doesn't never have that that breakthrough power where miracles can happen signs and wonders can flow but when somebody gets in the prayer closet begins to get bold enough and gets fired up from the Lord and says you know what I don't care how big you are I don't care how you've tormented my family I don't care how you've devoured my life but I'm gonna stand before you and the God that I serve is gonna deliver me into your hands come on Am I talking to anybody today? Sometimes it's needed. A direct confrontation will bring the divine intervention. Conflict will release the anointing, and truth shall reign supreme and have the victory. That's what David did. This was a picture of the Lord going like this and just knocking the enemy square in the teeth. Just hit him square in the teeth. And sometimes that's what we have to do. See, what that means to you and I is that when we begin to do that and we begin to confront our employee, we begin to confront those who we see having issues and we quit sweeping it under the rug. And we begin to have and hold people accountable for the things that they've done and the things that are going on. And then all of a sudden, what begins to happen is the forces of heaven come behind you. Truth begins to reign. It's supreme. And then all of a sudden, you see a magnificent breakthrough comes. A huge breakthrough comes. And what's that doing? What is it doing? It's taking back ground from the enemy. It's taking back ground from the enemy. But here's the rule to conflict 101. A lot of times we can't confront the person we need to confront because the enemy still has ground in our hearts. That's why there's no authority. But when we tell self-adventory first and we begin to do our own due diligence in seeking the Lord, like David did, inquiring of God, letting God speak to him, dealing with everything he needs to deal with in his own heart, then the enemy has no chance. He has no chance for a person like you, a warrior of God, a man or a woman of God. The enemy can't even stand because you're in the cave of intimacy and you're praying and seeking the Lord and he's fighting on your behalf. You're taking ground back. See, in David's day, all his ancestors couldn't take that ground. It was the one ground that could never be taken, but David took it back because he wasn't afraid to confront when the time was right and was needed. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like that's what's happening in the, in the realm, in the spirit realm right now. I feel like we've been in such a battles of confrontations and things going on. Let me share with you real quick what happened to me this week on this. I got a phone call. I got a phone call from, from, from a business leader in, in Wilmington this week. I did this phone call and I go and um, I, I really don't know him that well. But they prayed, they had some issues going on with their business, they said, would you come and pray over our business? Matter of fact, would you meet with our board of directors? We wanna to talk to you. This is, this is this week. So I said, okay, well, I go in. Now, hold this thought. The night before, I had a dream. In the dream, I was in a downtown city setting. And in the dream, there was a makeshift hospital and a line of people were lined up out the door, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. There was a doctor that sat in a chair And he treated each patient one by one. In my dream, they all had the same issue. The issue was they were all bit by spiders. The doctor would take them and say, come here, son, look at this. And he would squeeze, literally squeeze the wound and take out all the infection. And in the dream, it wasn't just right here, but it was actually coming from the entire bloodstream of the body. All those infected areas in the entire body were coming up to the surface, and he was exposing it, cleaning it up, treating it, and then getting the next one. Now I have that dream. Don't even know what it means. The night before, this next day, real life, I'm now sitting in a business in Wilmington, talking with a board, and they. I'm just sitting there, and they just start unloading, and they said we've been having credible, credible challenges, fighting the spirit of Jezebel and Ahab, and control and manipulation. And we're about wore out. And we don't know what to do. But God put you on our heart to come in here and talk to us. Okay. So we get to talking. And the Lord starts bringing revelation. That revelation becomes to confirm what God had already been speaking to the whole board. That launches us into a prayer meeting. Which basically turns into a mini session of healing and deliverance of forgiveness to these other folks. Tears are flowing, people are crying and weeping. I'm like, "God, what is going on?" He says, "Remember the dream." And one of the issues was friends, coworkers, even leaders in the church had wounded them and they both were wounded. But in order for that wounding to come, there had to be forgiveness. There had to be a confrontation. So God said, "Remember the dream." He said, in your dream, the spider bites represent the infection in the whole body of Christ in the city of Wilmington. Where so many people have been affected by church splits, church divisions, all this stuff that goes on in our body, other bodies, all around the city. People are hurting from wounds. They're infected, but the Lord said, I'm stepping into a time, and if you come close to me, if you get in the cave, if you come listen to me, I'm going to show you how to heal the wound. Come on. come on! You can't make it up. What happened in that meeting? As that woman stepped in forgiveness and love, the enemy lost ground. The enemy lost ground and it set up for Friday, the confrontation that was to bring the divine intervention. I kid you not. The next day, the next day, two, three days ago, I wake up at 530 in the morning from a text message from my good friend from Goldsboro, a pastor. He helps us with the tent. He gives us the baptismal tanks that we use. Awesome guy. Not spoke to him in a year. One year. One year. He messages me. He says, Mike, please pray for me. I'm struggling right now. I've been sick for three days. I don't know what it is, but I've been struggling and I just need your prayers. I just found out that I got bit by a spider and I have been infected by venom from a spider wound. When God begins to speak to you in that manner, you better pay attention. This is for real. I'm telling you right now, if you're not in the battle of impossibility, just wait a minute. You're going to be there. But when you get there, don't be discouraged. Pray to the Lord how to take that giant head on, how to wear back and attack him straight forward. Don't be afraid. Don't run back. Don't cower down. God is with you. If Listen, this confrontation thing is so powerful. When Elijah confronted the Jezebel prophets of Baal, the fire of God fell from heaven. And what happened? That confrontation brought intervention. How about when Jesus came to the earth? It was a direct confrontation of the powers of hell and the darkness that remained. But the cross became the intervention that brought reconciliation and forgiveness to all of humanity. What about Peter and Paul? What about Peter and Paul? When Peter came in there pretending and started backtracking on his view with the Gentiles, Paul called him out right there. Peter, what are you doing? He called him out. It was a confrontation. And what did it do? It brought divine intervention. It brought divine intervention. Conflict, what I'm trying to get us to see, not all conflict is negative. It's not all bad. But he's wanting to raise up a mature body in a city, a church, or a region that can handle conflict, that can speak truth in each other's life without getting offended. We need to get a backbone. We got to be able to take constructive criticism. And not get offended. Come on. Woo, Jesus. Who? <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. We're all learning. But I, I just see this uh, battle that we're in. But I want to encourage you. God is with you. That same spirit of Jesus that lived, that resurrected him from the dead, the Bible says is in us, alive and breathing. The second battle, the second battle comes out of the first. The first battle is that battle of breakthrough. But how many know the breakthrough is not the end result? It's only a means. Because follow through without the breakthrough, the breakthrough is just going to crash. There has to be follow through to sustain the breakthrough. And a lot of folks, they get a breakthrough, but they can never hold it. They can never sustain it. And the enemy comes back even worse. Look what happens with David. David. Verse 23, I want you to say once more. You see, David knocked the enemy in the mouth, but he didn't TKO him, did he? He was stunned, but he wasn't defeated. What's the enemy do? Once more, I'm going to come back. Once more, the Philistines came and spread out in the valley of Raphim. David, look what he does, inquires of the Lord. And he answered, look what the Lord says. Don't go straight up, David. Don't go straight up, but circle around them. and attacked him in front of the mulberry trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. David did as the Lord command and they defeated the Philistines. Scholars say that they came back three times as strong. In the first fight, it was 10,000 Philistines. In this fight, it was 30,000 Philistines. And the enemy now, he got hit, he got got hit, but he began to flex his muscles now. Now he was ready. Now the enemy was was getting ready. Isn't that what happens in our life? We'll have a breakthrough. We'll be obedient. it It will release something. But the enemy's not gone yet, is he? He's not gone sometimes. He's still there. He's still repositioning. See, the enemy's getting ready for that counterattack. He's getting ready. He's starting to prepare his forces. And sometimes we get lax. We get, this is where we get lax because we get the breakthrough and we think it's over. It's not over. It's just beginning. The breakthrough is not the end. It's only the means to the end. And so what ends up happening is we have to now be more on guard. This is that battle of sustainability. It is the battle that we have to continue to continue to fight the enemy, hold the ground so he doesn't come back. Okay. Yeah. What did David do? Let me ask you the question. How did he attack him this time? Did he go straight up? He went he he circled around. I want to encourage us in the battle. Do not fall in the temptation of trying to replicate the last victory that you had. You ever been in a good church meeting? I'm talking where the Holy Ghost is flowing. We had a touch in here today. And I'm talking, you have been in one of real good meetings where deliverance is coming, people are running up and down, how things are happening? I mean, a real good meeting. And you walk away from that meeting, you're like, wow, how can we do that again? What did we do that we can try to do it again? Oh, was it that song that Bethel wrote? Was it it that song? Was it that message? What did did we have the lights a certain way? Did we have the stage a certain way? Did we have it all set up a certain way? Did we have it all set up a certain way? Let me tell you what. The tangibles do not bring revival. It's the broken heart in the cave That's inquiring of the Lord. That brings revival. Oh, but it is not it like the enemy to try to get us to be masters of replication and copycatting and all this manufacturing? But somebody who has to manufacture and copycat the original, let me give you eyes to see right now. That means you're not in the cave. That's how you know who's praying in their prayer closet. That's how you know who's really sold out and who's playing a game. Some folks are playing a game. People, you get hurt. This is spiritual stuff. This is talking about for the souls of our families, our people, our city. And God is really wanting to raise up Davids that are so inquiring of God that not only are they getting the revelation, they're getting the way God wants to distribute the revelation. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not. We need this stuff. It's good. It's it's, it's good. But if we take our eyes. If we take our eyes off of God, and think, and think that these things are going to bring the breakthrough, it's not. It's God saying, "Wait on me. Don't go up this time. I want you to circle around." You see, waiting on the Lord. Come on now, can I'm just talking. Waiting on the Lord is a spiritual weapon in God's arsenal. Sometimes, listen. You know me. Listen. I'm a pacer. I get fired up in my prayer closet. I'm just being real. I'm out loud. And I'm, I'm Thank you, Lord. Praise God. And it's just who I am. It's just who I am. And I know there's times to soak. And I do that. And I love it. That's what I try to hear the Lord. There's all these things that we do. But let me tell you about waiting on God. Waiting on God is not a passive act. It is a violent force of seeking God. Because you're standing in the place of faith. When you wait on God, you stand in the place of faith. Waiting on God. Let me put it this way. Waiting on the Lord is not the attack. It's the strategy. The attack is how you deliver the truth that comes out of the waiting. Do you hear what I'm saying? Waiting on the Lord is not the attack. It's the strategy. But the attack is how you deliver the truth from that place of waiting. That's what David did. Now the Lord gives him truth. Circle around. Now, I want you to notice mulberry trees, balsam trees, maybe your Bible says. What is it about these trees you know, there were three armies that day. It wasn't just the Philistine army, and it just wasn't the Israelite army, but it was the armies of heaven. That was God's army in those trees, marching on top of those trees. But I wanna draw us to those trees. The valley, listen to this the valley of Raphim. Guess what the mulberry trees or the basalm trees are actually standing and represent? They are the trees of weeping. The actual name is that they were the trees. Of weeping. Let me tell you something about tears that are shed when you pray in your prayer closet. Angels wait to tread on the tears of the saints. And they move through the intercession and the prayer that you engage in in the cave. And when you are praying and warring in that place and it is causing you to cry, have tears, an emotional response, I'm telling you, angels move to the tears of the saints said the land was weeping Romans 8:19 the creation what waits groans moans for the liberation of who you Christ in you the hope of glory the sons and daughters of God and when we step into that authority then we see the creation liberated then we see cities set free and nations turn back to God The trees were weeping. They were waiting for this moment. Don't you see it? The land had been suppressed. Nobody could liberate the land. Nobody could liberate all of Israel. They were weeping in all of history for the moment somebody would be bold enough to take on this army. And when he hit them, the angels of God moved and a breakthrough came. Hold on now. (laughs) Circle around. What does that mean? See, the first battle, every battle is not the same, and every fight you fight is not the same. Listen, back in the day, I was known for fighting, believe it or not. I knocked people out, and I was knocked out. That's just the truth. I've been in a lot of fights, and I know one thing. Not every fight was the same, and not every battle was the same. But circle around the enemy. The first battle was a direct assault. Second battle was not that way. Wait, David, wait. You're going to hit him from behind. Woo. You're going to hit him from behind. I want to give you permission today. It's okay for you to hit the enemy in the behind. He don't fight fair on you. You can hit him from behind. How does that relate to you and I? How do we actually hit the enemy from behind? You pull the rug from under his feet. See, when you hit somebody from behind, they can't see what's coming. It's a blindside hit. They don't know what's coming. Boom. And they get knocked out. How do you do that with the enemy? Are you ready? You want to know really how to pull the rug out from the enemy? Do you want to know how you can put him, not just beat him, but get him on the run out of your life? As you bring everything out of the closet and into the light. And you bring truth to the surface. When I mean truth, I mean not just half the truth. I mean the full truth. See, the enemy builds his kingdom on half-truths and partial lies and truth. But when we pull out and release truth into the atmosphere, the enemy loses all his footing and all his ground. Because without darkness and without a secret, he can't do anything. I'm, I'm just, man, I love y'all. You know I love you. I mean, I'm, I had to do this in my own life. Everything. I live as an open book. Nothing, nothing here. What you see is what you get. Because I've learned one, biblical reality. If you don't take the skeletons out of the closet, they will come out. Because the word says nothing is concealed that won't be revealed. It's a tough word. But when we're in the cave and we're inquiring of the Lord, oh, my Lord, it becomes like joy. It becomes like healing. It becomes like deliverance. It becomes revival and restoration. We have to follow through. We have to bring the truth out. We have to bring the truth out. (laughs) Can you think of that in your life right now? I mean, some circumstances, situations. The truth has to come out. When the truth is suppressed, the atmosphere can never really be free. The first battle was about the ground, but the second battle was about the atmosphere. Do you see that? Because he took ground, it loosed angelic armies in the atmosphere. And not only did they beat the Philistines, they ran them completely out of the nation. And it's no accident that the very next things that happens in the storyline is David says, come now, let us go get the ark of the Lord. And let us build day and night prayer, worship to the Lord. And the spirit and the tabernacle, the Ten of me, let's put his presence right there in the middle of the nation. And let's glorify him. But before the ark could rest, hear me, the land and the air had to be cleared. Sometimes you got to clear the air. you got to clear the air. I want to just end on this one last example, just to kind of illustrate this. The battle that I had for a I had a lot of battles, many battles. But the battle material, I just want to share this one battle that I really went through for a long time, and it was the battle of pornography. When I was 12 years old, I started viewing pornography. Little did I know that it opened a door for sexual perversion that would just grow and deepen and manifest throughout All my teenage years, into my young adult years, it would morph into just transgender, everything you can imagine. I mean, just as deep as you can go, I went there. This was even before the internet came out, if you can believe that. But it got so deep in me, it got so strong in me. Well, coupled with addiction, many of you know the story. Well, when I got free from God, and I got set free from crack cocaine and drugs and alcoholism, I was in a controlled environment. I was seeking the Lord. He, I really felt the Lord's deliverance on a lot of those issues. And I really did not have a taste to use drugs anymore. God literally took it out. But the battle of pornography beat me up. I mean, it beat me up. And then I began to war in this place because I would try to not do it or stay good, but then I would fall and I'd, the guilt and the shame would come back in. Well, I left there and God sent me to a small Bible college. I'm in this Bible college now. I just get there. This is in the first month. I'm still battling this thing. Don't want to do it. I can't do it, but I cannot beat this giant. I can't beat this impossibility. I meet Amber. We begin to talk. We begin to have a friendship. And quite quickly, we begin to have chemistry. We just, we just know, wait a minute, this isn't just a friend. This is, we're starting to move into the dating phase. One thing that we did when we first hit that moment is we became so honest and open with each other. And I told Amber every dark secret in my life up until that point even my struggles with the current addiction of pornography. She did the same. There was an understanding. Well, let me tell you what happened a few weeks after that. A few weeks after that, I failed. And the one and only time I rented a pornography film and I took it back to my Bible college dorm room. And at the end that night, I felt so guilty and so ashamed. And the enemy beat me up. The enemy was like, you're going to go to Bible college You're gonna actually tell people that God can deliver them from things and this is what you're doing? You know how he comes. You know how he beats you up. This is an example. But I pressed through and I got on my face and I inquired the Lord. And I had an encounter where Jesus himself walked into the room. He picked me up and he said, Michael, you may be a sinner, but you'll always be mine, and you belong to me. And my love is stronger than any battle you're going through. And I'm not going to leave. I have your back. It was that reality that set something in me in motion. Two days later, I knew I had to tell Amber. We started walking. We met at a park and done. Little did I know, the night before, she had a dream about this. She opens up by sharing the dream, but it was another friend. God will get you... Nothing is concealed that won't be revealed. The dream was about her other friend, but I knew it was me. I was guilty. So she starts sharing. I start breaking down, and I start confessing. And as I did, now we're dating. We're we're, we're talking about, you know, the, the road to engagement is close. And we're talking And we just start weeping and crying. And it hurt him. I'm being truthful. It hurt her when I told her that. It hurt her. You know, the rejection that comes from that. I'm not good enough. I'm not adequate enough. All that rejection. Me, like, is this ever going to end? It was, we cried from a place of brokenness and anguish. But we prayed together and we cried together. When she prayed over me, when I cried in that parking lot, I kid you not, I literally felt the spirit of lust leave my body. It left my body. 10 years of marriage and almost 13 years of being together with everything in my heart, I've never looked at another pornographic image again. And I don't have a need to, ever. Complete deliverance. Oh, but you know there's temptation, don't you? You know the enemy comes back, right? He always tries to flex those muscles. You know what he tries to do with me on the most is Facebook. You know, I get all these friend requests sometimes, and the most friend requests I get sometimes are by half-naked women or half this or half that. But let me tell you what I do when it comes rolling in my account. I say, delete, 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 delete. And I'm battling because you ain't taking back ground from me. Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Not only do you got to battle in war for the breakthrough, hit that enemy head on, but you got to fight in this thing and you got to keep the ground. You can't give one inch. You can't let up. You can't stop. You can't keep going or he'll come in there. But as you keep pressing in, as you keep inquiring of the Lord and you keep hitting the delete button, Not only will the enemy lose his ground, but you'll kick him all the way out. Not only of your life, but your family's life, your children's life, your city's life, your church's life. I believe that. I believe some of us need to hit the delete button this morning. Let go of that relationship. You know it's not doing any good. Got to let it go. Would you stand with me, please? Woo. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Is uh, Mark, Mark here still, Mark? Or anybody from the team? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I just want to take a moment. And I want you to just encourage and just hear that word this morning. We're all going to face battles. We're going to face these giants. But how do we overcome the giant? We get in that cave of intimacy. We don't just seek the Lord. We inquire of him. We place him in the position where he can speak directly into our situation. And then from that place, he gives us courage and boldness to be able to take the giant head on. And when we need to confront, we have the grace and the the spirit and the love to confront. And then there's times we got to recognize that the confrontation is not going to be the way. And we got to recognize and hear the strategy of Lord that sometimes instead of hitting it on, we got to circle the enemy. We have to surround him with prayer, intercession. We have to surround our family by pleading the blood of Jesus, by making right decisions, by not allowing certain things to creep in, and by building a wall of holiness and purity. But I just want to challenge us this morning. The Lord did a lot of breakthrough, I feel, too, today. I believe that even in worship this morning, like that was part of the Lord bringing it to to light. That was like bringing the the unity that's needed in our body. Because let's face it, we need unity in this body. We need it among our pastors, our leaders, our volunteers. Without unity, this thing doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And listen, it doesn't have to be we all are kumbaya and everything. What does perfect unity, I believe, look like in a local church? It looks like when we can really love one another and we can treat one another with dignity, with courage, with honor, with respect, with love. With You know, it's just etiquette. So I feel, I feel like right now, what the Lord wants to do is just bring a healing, a moment. We went a few minutes over, but it's okay because I feel like the Lord wants to bring some individual healing. So I want you to just bow your heads with me. Close your eyes real quick. Holy Spirit, come. I want you to begin to ask the Lord right now. Let's just ponder. Let's tarry one moment. I want you to begin to ask the Lord the question that I asked him this week. What area... What ground does the enemy still have in my heart? Just wait a second. See what he speaks to. you. Another question to ask is, what area have I resisted your grace in my life, Lord? I believe the Lord right there today wants to bring a breakthrough. Holy Spirit come, we thank you right now. Sweep all over this place. Sweep all over this room. Sweep all over this place. If you're feeling stirred right now, I just wanna invite you to the front. If you feel like there's just something in your heart that you really want to pray, that the Lord is speaking to you, there's an area that you just, you still need help on. There's this one area that you've not been able to overthrow and beat. I want you to and come on up. And I want you to just invite you. And let's just pray for a little bit. Let's just linger. If that's anyone here, if, if there's an area of your life, mine was confrontation. When I asked the Lord, I asked the Lord this week, Lord, what area have I resisted your grace on? He said, confrontation. It's always been a battle for me to do that. But I'm growing and I'm learning. Whatever that is, just take one more moment. If that's you, come on up and let's just seek the Lord together. Let's just seek the Lord together. He's heavy right now. Just seek the Lord strength in this moment. I just pray. I just want to pray, Lord. Just in the gap of our church here, Global River, Lord, where there's been hurt and division, where there's been wounds and pain, Father. Not only in here, but but in the city and with other churches. Please forgive us, Lord, if we've dealt wrong. Help us, Father, to receive your healing, Lord, and that others also can be healed, Lord. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would just release a healing wave all over Global River, all over the city of Wilmington, Father. So many people have been hurt by church. So many wounds still exist in this city, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you would just release waves of healing right now. That you would begin to surface the infection. That you would begin to surface our own pain. That you would begin to surface our own wounds, Lord. Lord, truly, Lord, we're like the Bible says, we fall short of your glory, God. We fall short of your glory, Lord. And we need your grace and your mercy, Lord. It's not in our strength, Father. It's not in our strength, Lord. It's in our weakness, Lord. We turn to you, Lord. We turn to you, Father. Heal our hearts today, Lord. Heal our wounds, Jesus. Jesus.